Good morning everybody. Today we are having our second episode of the second season with the title A New Philosophy, Clinical Pearls and Methods for Interoperative Cognition Mapping and Monitoring a la carte in Brain Tumor Patients. A beautiful title of the new article of Dufault in the first edition of the 2021 Journal of Neurosurgery. He starts his article with a quote of Antoine de Saint-Exupéry, the famous French author of the book Le Petit Prince. The essential is invisible to the eyes. Why this quote? One of the main points of today is that a resection without hemiplegia or aphasia, the obvious neurological deficits all surgeons want to avoid, isn't always successful surgery. To enjoy a familial, social and professional life, a human needs more than just coordinated arm movements and understandable speech. Neural networks that subserve cognition and mentalizing need to be preserved. Mentalizing refers to the theory of mind and the ability to attribute mental states like emotions, desires to oneself and to others and to understand that others have beliefs and desires that are different from yourself. We can see why damaging brain areas responsible for this complex behavior won't immediately reveal themselves, letting the surgeon to believe sometimes that the patient has no deficit. But cognitive or emotional disturbances may prevent the patient to resume a normal life. The goal is always maximal safe resection. But how far you go will depend on the involvement of important eloquent brain areas. This is particularly true for diffuse gliomas, as these patients present with a combination of infiltrating tumors and a highly social and active life. With these patients, we always ask ourselves how far to go. Preserving their quality of life after resection is actually the only valuable goal we can have. The aim of this review is learning how to map, monitor and preserve the neural networks that make us human. This approach depends on three steps. Before surgery, you need a full neuropsychological assessment. During surgery, you have to work with a connectome-based surgical approach. And postoperatively, you have to give your patient the ability or the option to do cognitive rehabilitation. Most neurosurgical centers are familiarized with interoperative mapping. Under general anesthesia, you can map motor cortex and pyramidal tracts. In awake patients, you can preserve their language areas. For Dufault, this doesn't go far enough, because cognitive and affective disorders are having a much bigger effect on the long-term outcome and quality of life of our patients. For example, attention and working memory disturbances can prevent work resumption. The semantic processing, which is necessary for awareness of knowing, can be damaged off a surgery and can lead to behavioral changes. No longer being able to perform mentalizing will disturb our social communication. 
Disturbances in complex bimanual coordination can prevent a return to sport or performing arts and damage to the cingulate cortex, which is part of the default brain network, influences our creativity. Dufort challenges us to go the extra mile and work towards a mapping a la carte. He wants to give each patient the choice to adapt surgery to their lifestyle and to adjust the resection to their wish, so they can return to a normal life. He talks about the shift of our current surgical philosophy to an optimization of the oncofunctional balance. Now let's have a look at how you can track these specific functions during awake surgery and work towards the concept of the connectomal surgery. It already starts at the pre-surgical meeting where patient and surgeon needs to decide on the procedure and possible consequences. The most extreme version would be a patient that wants to avoid all deficits and where the surgeon works with a multi-stage incomplete tumor resection and in-between functional rehabilitation with the goal of inducing neuroplasticity. This approach, of course, is quite controversial. As a side note, Dufault is not a big fan of functional MRIs or tractographies. The first one visualizing cortical regions, the latter the white matter tract, as they aren't very trustworthy for complex tasks as mentalizing. Let's have a look at the practical side of this idea. How to monitor complex motor movements. Beyond the corticospinal pathways, there is a mosaic of cortical areas that are interconnected by non-pyramidal pathways. The frontostriatal tract is a good example because stimulating this tract leads to arrest of movements. Monitoring these higher order motor areas should be offered to patients with tumors in the right parietal area, so not only on patients having tumors on the left dominant area. For example, another area that is important is the precuneus, an area involved in the awareness of body schemes and another non-eloquent eloquent motor area that deserves preservation. To avoid visuospatial defects, we need to pay attention to multiple areas. It can be tested by asking the patient to read two pictures in a quadrant on the same slide while looking at a red cross in the center. While testing, simulating the optical tracts will cause a shadow. Stimulating ILF, one of the white matter tracts, may cause hemianopsia. Bilateral damage to ILF can cause prosopagnosia, and this inability to recognize faces can be really disabling for patients. To monitor the junction between supramarginal gyrus and temporal lobe allows preservation of spatial cognition. Another aspect is the language. Language comprehends a lot of functions. Articulation, phonology, syntax, lexical access, repetition, reading and semantics. But for full language performance, one also needs nonverbal semantics. And this is crucial for metacognition. Metacognition meaning that a human is aware of being aware. 
This concept is mediated by wide metal tracks in IFOF. The dorsal lateral prefrontal cortex has a function in the connection between verbal and nonverbal semantics. Stimulating stimulation in this area leads to mistakes in the pyramidal palm tree task, the test that determines the degree to which a subject can access meaning from looking at pictures or words. Executive functions are very important in humans, as they influence a lot of basic human behaviors. It includes language switching, attention, control of automatic responses, working memory and multitasking. Let's have a look. In multilingual patients, additionally to the performance in speaking different languages, we also have to monitor switching between languages. Stimulation of frontal cortex disrupts the switch between languages or causes an involuntary switch. Specifically, preservation pre, pre during stimulations of IFOF, FST and the caudate nucleus reflect executive control disorder. Another executive function is attentional processing or the ability to divide your attention between different tasks. This is tested during surgery in the area of the frontal eye fields, an area that participates in the control of spatial orienting of attention. Surgery in the non-dominant frontal cortex, an area important for inhibition of automatic responses, can be tested with the Stroop test. This test assesses assess the ability to inhibit the mental interference of two different stimuli. Surgery in the superior temporal frontal gyrus requires testing for the working memory, with for example the digits band. The last um, subject or under subject of, multi of um, executive function is the multitasking. This can be tested during surgery while giving your patient multiple tasks on the same moment. All these were examples of characteristics patients or humans need to perform a normal life. Now let's have a look at emotion and behavior, because these are essential to return to a normal world too. Mentalizing, as we already said, allows us to predict others' behavior. Intraoperatively, you can let your patient perform the read the mind in the eyes task. In this test, the patient has to select which affective state best describes the eyes. One can differentiate between low level, the mirror system, and high level, reflective, mentalizing, and both encompass different brain areas. A triple stream model for mentalizing has important implications for awake surgery, but I refer to the article for details on this as this is impossible to remember by just listening to a podcast. A last higher order function we are looking at is the consciousness awareness. Stimulation of white matter tracts of the shingulate cortex can lead to loss of external connectedness and is described by patients as dreaming. Now all this sounds super nice in theory, but how to map this function in clinical routine? 
You need a multidisciplinary team with neuropsychologist and speech therapist. The article sums up for what expects you should warn your patient for. How to test each characteristic is well summarized in table 1 in the text. So I refer to read it there for yourself. Make a screenshot and save it somewhere. The team will also need to assess postoperative neuropsychological assessment and adapt rehabilitation depending on the result. And the care for our patient doesn't stop after resection of the tumor. Immediately postoperative, we often see transitory deficits due to edema and changes in functional connectivity. The SMA syndrome is a well-known example of postoperative development of akinesia and mutism due to a decrease, decrease in interhemispheric connectivity. These are the obvious ones, but as we already said in the beginning of our talk, we also have to worry on the more subtle cognitive and behavioral disturbances that are not always obvious to note in our patients during hospitalization. The purpose of cognitive rehabilitation therapy has been researched on in multiple studies and even random clinical trials. It showed improvements of cognition, executive function, memory and attention. fMRI in these patients after rehabilitation has shown that recovery in patients is related to intersystem reorganization. CRT, cognitive rehabilitation therapy, should begin as early as possible and be offered as an option to all our patients. Now let's conclude this wonderful article. The two approaches that are common today awake surgery in dominant hemisphere and a sleep surgery in non-dominant hemisphere should be abandoned. To preserve the quality of life in patients, we have to be aware of the interaction of movement, language, cognitive and emotional networks. Monitoring these during awake surgery is possible if one takes the time and the effort. A la carte mapping should be combined with intensive postoperative rehabilitation. Now a last point before wants to make is rather controversial and I don't know myself what to think of it. He states that surgeons should mention multi-stage surgery as a way to maximize the oncofunctional outcome. To end with a beautiful phrase from the article, we should evolve from a ready-to-wear attitude to a high-fashion surgical philosophy that aims for a reconsideration of a patient as a human being with his or her complex and unique personality. Thanks for listening. I hope you liked it. Um, hope to see and hear from you very soon.